Well, hello, Faith Covenant. My name is Kevin Ragnus, and we are here today talking about mental health once again, as we have been doing for the last few weeks. This is week four of our series on mental health. You don't have to watch the first three if you don't want to, but it might be helpful for some of the things, just because this is an additional conversation on top of that. As always, um, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube or Spotify, whatever platform you may be listening on or watching on, just to make sure that you don't miss any episodes. Um, we're always excited to have this continual dialogue with you. So today I'm joined here by Lisa Wold. She is a friend of mine that I knew from my time at Mill City when I was interning at Mill City Church. And uh, we got to know each other through a variety of things, but especially we had a movie group that we're actually both still a part of where we watch movies and discuss them. So yeah. that's always, there's always lots of good movies out there. <laughs> so it's been super fun to do all that. Um, but uh, she's someone who I think has a lot to add to our discussion about mental health um, due to her own experiences as a counselor and her education and background. So Lisa, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited and I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah. Like I feel like having these conversations, especially as it comes to discipleship and mm -hmm. um, the church understanding mental health, I think is so powerful. So Absolutely. I'm excited about it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this whole field of mental health as a profession? Yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up going to church. I knew Jesus from an early age. Like that was a huge part of my background. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, I mean, I'll tell you right off the bat, like I lost my mom to cancer when I was five. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I just, I'd been hit with some different challenges growing up. And I would tell you now, I didn't know this at all at the time, but I probably had some depression in, in high school that sure. was completely undiagnosed. Um, and then, but when I got to college, I actually, for the first time, kind of had access, easy access mm -hmm. to counseling services. And so... Um, through I the college? Of, through the college, yeah, okay. which is which is amazing. Um, and a lot of colleges do provide that without any fees for their students. They do, yeah. And it's such a, I mean, it's such a, it's such a great benefit. And if your university has that, like look into it because yes. you'll never pay that <laughs> little for counseling again. Right, <laughs> yep. So yeah, so I um, started doing some counseling through there and I hit this kind of wall where I, like I said, I, I probably had some low grade depression before but I hit this point in time where I really hit a wall, where mm -hmm. I was just, I i mean, I don't even know. It, it felt like I was underwater, like mm -hmm. I was drowning and I couldn't, I couldn't sort of get my head above water. And I didn't, I knew I wasn't okay. I, you know, my mood was low. I felt like very hopeless, you know, so there's just a lot going on. And so my counselor was like, I think you might have, you might need to be checked for depression. Mm -hmm. And so that, so I went, but the thing was, is that even going to a counselor at that time was challenging and, and definitely the decision to go on medication was challenging because literally at the same time, around the same time, the church I grew up in was having a church split. And one of the main issues in the split was over whether or not counseling was wow. appropriate. <laughs> So whether or not getting help and talking to someone yes. was appropriate. Yeah, because of the whole, you know, it was this idea that like, you know, your faith should get you through this. Your faith mm -hmm. should be enough. And I was like, look, I'm do, you know, I'm doing all the things. Like, right. <laughs> I know the Bible verses. I know the, I know to pray. I know to go to church. You know, mm -hmm. I'm doing all that stuff. And I feel like I'm drowning. Yeah. And so I really kind of hit this point where I was like, 
I don't even fully understand like theologically what to do here. I just know that I need help. And right. so I'm going to I'm going to take the leap and try this medication out and just see. And for me it was, you know, it was hugely powerful. It like and it just took me from this place where, like I said, I felt like I was drowning. I, w- mm-hmm. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like I was able to be present for the people around me. Mm-hmm. Certainly my relationship with God was not in a good spot just because he felt so distant to me in that place. Right. And so to go from that to all of a sudden having, you know, starting something that helped kind of take me back out of that um, while I was doing counseling so I could work on some, you know, some mm-hmm. strategies and things too. But... Like, you know, I needed that. Right. And it was, and it was life changing and it, and it also really impacted my ability to relate to God because I could, you know, I didn't have all this stuff getting in the way. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I know for me when I was battling depression, it made me think I was less close to God because I wasn't feeling good or okay. I, I, I thought somehow I was doing something wrong if my faith is not getting me through. Yes. And yeah. that's a terrible place to be. Yeah, it is. Because it's like the very thing that you would hope would give you comfort and peace. Now you're questioning, like, am I even doing this right? Because right. if I, theoretically, if I was, maybe I wouldn't feel this way. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, and that's a hard thing for a lot of us, I think, to get to that point, especially if our faith leaders or, you know, people that we have looked to up to our whole lives are at least questioning that yeah um and so you know like i said for me it just felt like i i i have to do something yeah like and so did your church that you were in that was having the split did they know that that was also something you were struggling with i did not mm -mm. yeah i was like so you didn't even feel comfortable voicing where you were at in your own congregation because i felt so fragile and i felt Mm -hmm. so kind of fragile with my decision yeah that i was like i no, I, I never said a word. I mean, to this day, you know, I think about it now. I'm like, there's probably still some people who don't know. Probably. Because I just, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable at yeah. all. It just, yeah. it felt like it was going to be seen as, you know, I'm weak. I don't have a strong enough faith, all of that. And mm-hmm. so it didn't even feel safe to acknowledge yeah. at the time. Now I wouldn't have a problem. So if you're watching it, you know. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> We're good, though. And But that experience in college was was really profound both the just the going to counseling for the first time as well as like you know hitting this wall that was so real and Mm -hmm. then you know finding my way through that and so I you know even though I didn't actually graduate with a you know psychology degree I actually graduated with a music degree ironically (laughs) Uh, which is just like Anna who was in our previous episode so a lot of similar background there yeah exactly so I graduated and then but I just kept thinking about that and so I I started working actually in schools I again sort of similarities um, working with kids that were in special education and working one-on-one with them and that I started to become interested in school counseling initially was actually Mm -hmm. where I started. But then I decided, so I heard Anna talk about how, you know, there's kind of these different layers um, to the field of mental health. And I decided I kind of wanted to go up a layer. Um, What school counselors do is amazing and phenomenal because like Anna said, they are first line people. They're sometimes the only access that kids ever get. And so it's incredible to have people who are really passionate about that. I just realized for me, I wanted to go a little bit more in depth. Um, and so I ended up 
you know, I started out in school counseling, but I basically switched my master's degree to mm -hmm. community counseling is what it's called. But uh, so that I could work. And then I, I started working in colleges, which was kind of the best of both worlds because sure. I could go deeper. But I also had some of the academic calendar pieces and just the academic world. So I'm still working in the academic world. But mm -hmm. And so now you work at where? I work at Bethel University. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bethel. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, providing counseling for students. And we are one of the universities that does offer that. So it's a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, it's just really interesting to watch how, uh, this is true of many of the counselors that I've met, they often have some sort of background in having needed counseling themselves yeah. before they realize, hey, I wanna be that person for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just, you know, when you experience the power of it, it really, you know, if you see yourself as maybe having those same abilities, it, it you know, that for me was, the power of that and what that first counselor, you know, how what she did for me in my life was something that has stayed with me to this oh, day, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so you work at Bethel. Um, so have, have you run into those kinds of stigmas that you ran into your at your church? Have you run into some of those at Bethel? Either, not necessarily even in, in the administration, but do you find students battling those kinds yeah, of stigmas? Yeah, I do. And I would say actually, thankfully, you know, our administration is pretty supportive. Like, I, I that's that's been really nice is that mm -hmm. Buffalo is a pretty supportive place around accessing therapy or counseling. But I, do, I have run into that with a lot of uh, Christian students who come from different backgrounds that maybe, you know, counseling wasn't seen as something that was okay to do. Mm -hmm. uh, or it did mean sort of that weakness of faith or that, yeah, the family was concerned about it. Or maybe they were okay with counseling, but medication is really concerning. Sure. And so that is something that I, run, you know, I run into and, you know, help students, like, process their thoughts and feelings about that. Mm -hmm. um, something else that you said in our previous, because she and I talked previously about some <laughs> of this, is that um, you find that counseling often removes barriers and that, counseling actually helps people's journey of discipleship. Yes, absolutely. So the reality is, is that when you're dealing with whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, there's a plethora of things, eating disorders, um, ADHD, you know, all those things impact our relationships with each other and they impact our relationship with God. They also impact how we see and experience God yes. in pretty huge ways. <laughs> absolutely. And so when we can understand what's happening on that level, then we can kind of understand how that might be shaping our view of God or how that might be impacting our, our the ways that we relate to God. And so I actually think it's hugely helpful to understand that because, you know, sometimes we can get these really negative views of God or we can see God in these ways that sometimes it's not that that's who God is. It's that we have this lens because of the things that we're battling that sort of colors that picture mm -hmm. and when you can remove that you start to see God and all of his beauty in a really yeah you know in, in a real way and that's mm -hmm. I think huge yeah so I've already heard you talk a little bit about how your faith in Christ developed as a kid and also then developing your counseling abilities um, to what extent can you integrate your faith into your counseling while at Bethel so, you know, at Bethel, it really depends on, the beautiful thing is because I'm at Bethel, I can do, you know, I can be overt about it, but it really depends on the student and what they're coming in with. So if that's something that they want, um, usually, you know, we ask them questions around like, hey, what role does this play in your life? 
Um, what role does faith or spirituality play in your life? And then I'll ask them like a follow-up, like, you know, would you like that to be integrated? Because I think the power of working with anyone is, is figuring out where they're at and then working with them there. So, mm, yeah. you know, I, so yes, if a student is like, you know, Jesus is central to my life and I, yes, of course I want, you know, we will do things like pray in session or we'll talk about how maybe there are biblical things, you know, we'll, we'll kind of take truth and, and align it with what the Bible has to say around that, like, mm-hmm. or how the Bible illuminates that. And we'll do that very overtly. But even if that's not where they're at right now, or they're maybe in a place of wrestling or whatever, I really want to create a safe space for them to do that where I'm not putting my stuff on them, mm-hmm. where they are going to figure out because their faith is going to be so much stronger if they figure it out and they get their, they wrestle through their questions and they go to those places. Yeah. Um, then if I, do that you know and that's i think that's where counseling and discipleship are different Mm -hmm. you know yeah but there is an element of discipleship to counseling yeah well discipleship just takes so many forms that (laughs) you know it's discipleship's hard i mean it's in everything every aspect of christian life for any relation any christian relationship has some level of discipleship in it yeah um which is always interesting Well, now that we know a little bit more about Lisa and her background, um, it's time for us to talk a little bit more generally about some mental health terms and some of the things that you might see or hear in terms of treatment. So in previous episodes with Anna, we talked about mental health as um, something that interrupts your daily life. So a level of distress or depression or anxiety that interrupts and uh, limits in some way your daily life. Um, is that a definition that resonates with you? Is there another way that you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's you know, it's often either like a cluster of either symptoms or like things that are happening in your mood, behaviors, that when you kind of, when they wrap them together, like they, they are, they're impacting your functioning and not just in a, and I know you guys hit on this, but not just in a like one day or this one week, I had a hard week, but in a like, yeah, there's been a repetitive pattern of this that's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And it, the golden standard really is, is it impacting your ability to function? Are your major life roles getting right. disrupted in some way? Yeah. And I like what you said about it's a cluster of symptoms because sometimes the list of like depression symptoms is really long. Yeah. You don't have to have all of them. Right. Like that's for for me, that's part of why I felt that diagnose or that uh, depression didn't fit me is because I looked at this long list and yeah. I was like, well, I can still get up in the morning and go about my day. Yes. I'm not laying in bed all day. So therefore I must not be depressed enough to need help. Totally. Yep. And that's, I think too, you know, we also have these pop culture pictures of what mm, different yeah. things, you know, movies and things will, sh- you know, they have this very specific picture of what depression looks like, which yeah. is you're laying in bed all day. Right. Yeah. And I was the same way. Like I got up every day and I was very functional. Mm-hmm. Um, but except that functional as far as like my life roles, but not functional in that I was, breaking down when I was away from people, <laughs> like, yes. you know, I wasn't yep. sleeping, like that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah. And I think the other thing that can happen too, with the way pop culture can talk about this stuff is that, you know, you're going to, I like to organize my socks. So I have OCD. Well, no, <laughs> you don't have OCD. <laughs> OCD is actually a very disruptive, mm-hmm. 
um, condition and the people who have it and know that like it it's exhausting it's anxiety it's all these things so having just one thing that you do that kind of sounds like this one disorder doesn't mean that you have the disorder right so that's yeah. I think that's helpful to know yes um, and so then one of the things that we talked about too in our previous conversation and I talked a little bit with this with Anna as well but um, you kind of note the difference between like biblical counseling and licensed counseling yeah what are what are some of the differentiations there yeah so you just you can run into this term as you're going to maybe different churches or hearing from different christian leaders speak so it is helpful to kind of know what they mean by that so mm -hmm. a lot of times there was this kind of bifurcation that happened where biblical counseling is kind of considered people who use primarily the bible as a way of helping people through struggles that they're dealing with sure. so but you know or or christian disciplines but you know bible reading prayer mm -hmm. that kind of thing and and they're you know they're they also may be sitting and listening and pointing out some things that they're hearing but but it's primarily based on what does the bible have to say about this and how do we apply that sure license counseling is a bit different in that while we can still i mean i i would say that i integrate biblical truth into what mm -hmm. i do but I'm also, you know, pulling from, and we get trained in kind of the whole gamut of like mental health resources. Um, and so s sort of the science-y side of things as well as the sort of, you know, and I went to Northwest Nazarene, which is, um, you know, does have some integration pieces to it. It was a, it is a Christian university. So it had, you know, it did some integrating, but it also had us learn all the different theories of counseling and the strategy, all that kind of stuff. The other thing with licensure is, so to be a Christian counselor, a lot of times you don't have to go through like formal testing or you don't have to get a specific degree, that kind of stuff. And for a licensed um, counselor, you do. So mm -hmm. you have to have a specific degree from an accredited school and then you also have to usually take some tests. They're not yep. very fun, <laughs> but you know, they're just trying to make sure you have a base level of right. knowledge that you're operating out from. And I think, you know, there's pros and cons, honestly, with licensure, but one of the pros to you as the person who's receiving counseling is that there are, there you do have protections. Um, so if I were to do something unethical, you can go to, there's a board that oversees mm -hmm. how I'm doing my practice and they can hold me accountable to anything that I'm doing that would be inappropriate. And you may or may not have those kinds of things if, um, with you know if a counselor doesn't have a license we'll put it that way yeah or if a, anybody who works in mental health isn't working in a, a, um, a licensed right yeah so those are kind of the differences and it's helpful to just know so that when people throw those terms around you kind of yep. know what they're getting at and that's not to say that biblical counseling is not good right, or not absolutely. worth it at all they're just somewhat different things yes you use yeah. different techniques and that sort yeah. of thing yeah, absolutely. And like, for example, um, I have a certification to do premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. That is not the same kind of counseling that we're talking about. Right. That's just working through, that's just a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and biblical counseling, again, is wonderful. And it can be oftentimes a great resource to supplement licensed counseling. Yes. They can go hand in hand in a lot of cases, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... With that, um, there's kind of a, a difference between what you would say is your toolbox as a counselor versus like maybe me, a toolbox that I have as yeah. a pastor. 
Um, but one of the things you said before was that all truth is God's truth. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think that's the thing is that there's often in the history, especially with counseling, and I get where it comes from because of some of the early people who did, who were kind of known in the psychology world. It's not like they were known for loving Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so they had some different. Yeah. Sigmund worldviews. Freud is not known as like a great icon of the right. faith. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there was a lot of tension. There's been a lot of tension between like science around this and then sort of like, okay, but what's this Christian or scriptural worldview? And so I think then that's made some, there's been tension there. And so it's been, I think a lot of times in churches and this, I think what was, what was happening in the church where I was growing up is feeling like, like, you know, this is secular. This is not from God. Like, but the reality is, is that um, just like a medical doctor, and this was your example, but like there are things that you can learn um, about how our bodies work, about how God designed us, about how our brains work, about how the chemicals in our bodies work. That is truth that, you know, God is the originator of all truth. So yeah. he, you know, so we can learn about the brain. We can learn about the body and how those pieces all fit together and know that by doing that, we are honoring God and we are learning about how God designed us. Mm -hmm. And if like a certain way of talking through things works in or out of a biblical context, yes. that probably means it's still a good tool, regardless of whether or not the person using that tool is a Christian. Yes, absolutely. And I know we talked about this, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead, but there are specific, you know, sometimes I know for Christians too, it's like, I want to see someone who shares my faith, which I totally get. And I have tended to look for those people myself when I've gone, mm -hmm. because I, I get that. But there are certain times and certain like, um, diagnoses or different illnesses that people may have where you need someone specialized and the right person is the one that you have access to mm -hmm. because they have the tools to do it yeah so you know like eating disorders is an example of that like it's there's not very many like christian based eating disorder clinics and the ones that exist are very expensive yeah like that's just a reality and may not be local to and a person. may not be local and probably are not local like yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there are amazing, right here in our community, there are amazing eating disorder resources. And so, you know, I like, again, I think going and getting those tools, getting the help that you need, just like you would, like you would go to the best doctor for your cancer, mm -hmm. regardless of what their faith background was. Right. <laughs> um, and you're, you're gonna wanna do the same thing yeah. for, um, for mental health concerns. Yeah. It, the right person is the one that you have access to and that you click with and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, yeah. But I I think sometimes that can get, you know, when we're talking about our brains and our, I think that gets a little bit more anxiety provoking as opposed to like our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, if I break my leg, that doesn't feel so spiritually connected yeah. as yep. if something's going on with my mood or with my thinking patterns or things like that. But the reality is that there are tools that work with how our bodies work, even mm -hmm. in the brain yep. that anybody who's trained can use, can use yeah. and you can benefit from. And then you just, you know, you, you can always go to a Christian person on, you know, afterwards or, you know, I mean, there's ways to do that. Sure. So there's also a lot of terms that get thrown around in yes. this, in terms of like the person you might go see for help. So there's things like counselor, therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist. Yes. Uh, a whole it gets, yeah, it gets muddy. Like what, what is what are, are there distinctions between them? So let's start with counselor. Yes. 
So counselor is what I am. I'm a licensed clinic. I always forget this. Licensed professional clinical counselor. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I forget is because the title changes in, in different states. Oh. And I've, I've worked in three states. So every time I move okay. my title. Once I didn't I, know that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> it's, it's super fun. So when I moved to here, to Minnesota and finished up my licensure here, because I had, you have to like, you have to do things in each state to yeah. make your license work. Anyway. So yeah, so I'm so that's why I forget the title sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, so the thing about counselors, to know about counselors is, we are, you know, we work with couples, individuals, families, all that. Um, we can diagnose. We don't prescribe, mm-hmm. and we don't do in-depth testing. Don't prescribe medicine. We don't prescribe medicine. Yep. Yes. Um, and we don't do in-depth testing. So like, mm-hmm. if you're wondering, like, does this person have a maybe a a deeper psychological thing going on, or maybe there's multiple things going on. We need, sure. need a really clear diagnostic picture. We we don't do that. We'll send to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big difference. So like in terms of medical, like you're like the general medicine family practitioner yeah. versus the oncologist. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Uh, granted, there are some ways that we can specialize. Yes. Yes. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, there are some pieces that other, other, professionals provide mm-hmm. the other thing that's helpful to know is just kind of a the philosophy behind counseling so counseling came out of school counseling initially so it's like we were birthed out of the movement that started with Anna Anna's job and we have what we call the well like a we work at it from a wellness perspective so okay. we're kind of looking at you know what's working for you and how can we help you to continue growing in wellness um, as opposed to kind of the medical paradigm, which we'll talk about in a minute. So it's kind of a um, looking at it from more of that pop. It's a different lens. It's not a good or bad lens. It's just a slightly different lens, sure. a different philosophy. And then you have um, psychologists. Psychologists. Before you get there, it's therapist yes. different than counselor. Yeah. So now you're going to hear them used interchangeably a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, even on, I noticed on betterhelp.com, they're like, meet with a therapist. And I guarantee everyone on their site is not a psychologist. But that, technically, <laughs> technically, if you're a counselor, you're not technically a therapist. You're a counselor. If you are a psychologist, you can be called a therapist. And it kind of has goes in hand in hand yeah. with the medical model idea. So it's kind of looking at, you know, where is there a problem and how can we fix that problem? And so that's why they they do the testing yep. piece, you know, because they're really looking at and all of this you can hear a lot of sometimes you can hear people talking maybe negatively about different, but the truth is I love all these different professions and parts of the field and they all have something to bring to the table Mm -hmm. and there's not enough of any of us so we all (laughs) you know like we just need to work together and like yep so um anyway so a psychologist can can also diagnose they can do the more in-depth testing Mm -hmm. um so they can give you like you know more thorough assessments and things like that and if there's like and this would be things for more intensive conditions like a personality disorder right okay right and even sometimes things like adhd because adhd requires um both just the medication that you get put on is a little bit of a higher level of medication and also just the the things they need to look at to really make that diagnosis you know like i would send to a psychologist for that Mm -hmm. um 
And then there's psychiatrists, and psychiatrists are basically, they're like doctors, <laughs> but for mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. So you're going in there, they're looking at your symptoms. There's not as much counseling. I mean, there can be a little bit, but there's more of like, let's get your meds figured out. Let's figure mm -hmm. out. And, and especially if you have more complicated, again, there's multiple things going on, or like you tried the first thing that your doctor, your regular prescriber gave you and it didn't work, um, then they may send you off to a psychiatrist because they specialize in that field of medicine, essentially. Sure. And then, so you said you are the LPCC, which is the licensed... Professional Clinical Counselor. Yeah. Okay. And then another term that we often hear is an LMFT, a Licensed yes. Marriage and Family Therapist. Yeah. And they're similar, yes. but not the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's helpful to talk about it. Oops. I just totally like messed with my mic. Okay. That's all right. So, um, yeah. So LMFT, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. I want to move the mic up just a little bit okay. just to make sure that it's... That's picking up. Yep. Okay. There see we go. if that works. It's like I have to do it just right on this. <laughs> okay. So LMFT, they are, during their training, they're really focused heavily on family, family systems. So they're looking throughout their training at how do families work? How do families achieve optimum health? So they do lots of their like internships, like their practice work with you know, couples and families. Mm -hmm. um, and so they have more of a specialty, especially in their training around that area. Mm -hmm. Granted, you'll see them do individual, you'll see us do, yep. you'll, so you'll see crossover, but they do have more, you know, they've inevitably taken more classes and um, done more, at least in the beginning, more hours in mm -hmm. couples, family, that kind of thing. Yeah. So just for some context, the counselor that I see that I often refer to as my therapist, again, that interchangeability. Yes. Um, mine is an LF LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Yeah. Um, so even though in theory he focuses more on those family dynamics, um, as a single person, he still has plenty to, to offer me. And I mean, yes. like for plenty of single people, um, you know, it's still a lot of what they need to talk about still has to do with families yes. anyway. Yeah. Not yeah. to say that my family is terrible and has ruined me or anything. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. Um, but so how my medication journey worked is that I'd gone to a few sessions with that counselor, who I often, again, refer to as my <laughs> therapist, but he's an LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and so after a few times of talking with him and talking about what medication might look like, um, he was not able to prescribe a medicine. He was able to diagnose me with dystemia, which is a form of depression. Yeah. But then um, I had to make a separate appointment with my general practice doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I talked to them a little bit and got a questionnaire. And then they were the ones who prescribed me the medication. Yeah. And so that's a similar thing that a patient with you would do yes. is you would maybe talk to them and say, you might be a candidate for medication. Yeah here's some other resources that you might go to for Yeah, that. absolutely. And the nice thing about, yeah, working, when I've worked at university is sometimes the first stop can actually be our own health center. But, you know, we'll talk about their insurance and things like that just to help them think of options of where they could go. But yeah, and, and the nice thing about your primary care doctor is they're the easiest to get into. Yeah. <laughs> so they're a good first step. Yeah. Um, and then it's only, like I said, if, you know, if, 
it's proving to be more complicated. Each of our bodies are different. Each of us metabolize things differently. So medications affect us slightly differently because of that. One, they can change based on even different seasons of our own yes, lives. Like you might absolutely. have to change dosage or change medicines altogether throughout yeah. your life. Yeah, and your, your primary care doc can actually do a decent amount of that. And what I tell clients too is the best time that they can do that is while they're in counseling because while you see your primary care doc, you know, maybe once every six weeks at right. the beginning and then maybe even more spaced out after that, I'm often seeing people once every week or every other week. And so I sometimes, as you and I are talking, you know, I'm going to pick up that something's not working well and that it might be time to have another conversation with your doctor. So mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's a nice way that we work together a lot. Yeah. So then if a person is just getting to the point of saying, I think I need to check out this whole counseling therapy thing, whatever yeah. you want to call it, <laughs> um, how do they start? Like, how do they find a counselor or a therapist? Yeah, so I always, I mean, I think the, the first thing to do is just kind of look around at, for possible referral options. So talk to your friends, friends that you trust, you know, or family members that you trust. Uh, if you're a member of faith community, a lot of these days, a lot of churches are, they're keeping lists of people that they've sent people to that they kind of have built a trusting relationship with. Mm -hmm. So they will often have a list you can call and ask for that. Um, you can also, I mean, I always say check your check your insurance. Gosh, I gotta stop playing with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe just get it a little bit more. Yeah, maybe so where it's not started. getting under the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm wearing a necklace, as you can see, and I just keep hitting it. So, <laughs> um, right. so yeah, I think checking with people that you know um, or or communities or that you trust. Um, is a great first place. Oh, I was going to say work with your insurance, you know, check with yes. your insurance. If you've got insurance, you might as well benefit from it. And yes. so, you know, see who they have on their list. And then you can always cross reference that with other lists and go, hey, this would be a good, you know, this could be a good option. So mm -hmm. that's where I would say to start. Yep. Um, yeah. And like, I even just Googled like Christian counselors, Twin Cities area or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so at the time I didn't, I didn't, no, I didn't have a lot of people. I didn't think I had connections yeah. to people who could recommend one for me. So I just kind of like drew one out of a hat and it worked. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and the nice thing now is that so many of them are online and typically online or they have a, like a web presence of some kind. So you can actually read, like see their little picture and read their about me and kind of get a feel. So that can help you too if you're kind of going into it more cold like that. Yep. So a, a particular practice may have several different yes um therapists counselors and they may have different areas of expertise like when i was looking through i i saw you know um expertise in um family situations and mm -hmm. teenage situations um some people had expertise in eating disorders yeah others didn't and so i mean yeah. knowing what you yes. need help with is really helpful for finding that fit. Yeah, because they do. They will say on on many of the websites like these are areas I like to work with, or I have specialized training in this. And so if you know, like, hey, someone who really works with family of origin issues, or somebody who really gets anxiety, or you know, you're gonna look for those terms on their on their web page and find people who click that way. Mm -hmm. And so then. If a person's wanting to find a faith-based counselor, yeah. are there options for that too that are covered by insurance? Typically, I think a lot of um, a lot of insurance 
have, you know, they cover a variety. So I think you just, again, need to look. And you can also call, like if there's a faith-based place that you found, call them, even if their website says, I still recommend calling because you just don't want to get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but typically their front desk person, whoever, they're going to know what insurance they take. Mm -hmm. And so you can just ask them like, just to be super sure, but yes, they do. Yeah. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, if you need really highly specialized care, um, you may want that Christian perspective. Yeah. And that's great if you can find it, but it's going to be fewer and further between yes. to get to that, yeah. both financially and geographically. And, you know, again, especially, you know, I was thinking about this actually on the way over, is that, so, you know, we talk about mental health and there's, there's a lot of us who are just maybe not functioning as optimally as we could, but there are places too where when we're, where certain mental health conditions are life and death. Yeah. And you want to, you want to intervene quicker, you know? Yes. And so again, not letting, okay, this person isn't, maybe doesn't have my same faith background. Like when it's a life and death situation, like get the tools, you can figure out the integration piece later. <laughs> yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, because I think sometimes we hesitate and then it's like, no, but this, and I think it's harder to tell, like when we're hemorrhaging blood at the ER, you know, <laughs> somebody, you're gonna get in with the first doctor that can see you, right? Yep. Sometimes we're in that space emotionally or in our mental health, but because it's not visible, we can kind of take it for granted that the person's more okay than they are. Right. And so I think that's that's my whole thing is like sometimes time matters and you want to get in with someone who knows what they're doing and you can figure out the faith integration piece <laughs> yeah. as you go. And maybe that's where um, you are doing both the biblical counseling and the licensed counseling because maybe you don't have access to a faith-based licensed counselor but you can also talk to your pastor at the same time. Sure. And, and I think, yeah, and I think there can even be a difference between pastoral counseling and kind yeah. of the idea of sort of what biblical counseling sometimes can look like. But yes, definitely, like, you know, you can talk to your pastor about, hey, this is what I'm wrestling with, or this is where I'm having questions about how my faith and my, and this sort of journey with mental health are rubbing up against each other. And, you know, hopefully, your pastor's been around enough to know how to talk to to those, speak to those things and speak, you know, give you some spiritual reassurance even as you're yeah. working through this stuff. And I will say too, to anybody who's at Faith Covenant, our pastoral staff is um, very supportive of people um, taking care of their mental health um, through any of these means that we've been talking yeah, about. So, which I mean, is so huge. don't feel like you can't talk to us about anything or don't feel like you're ignoring us or leaving us out of the loop if you go see a therapist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll be happy for you. Like, we'll help yeah. you find a therapist. Like, and I, Yeah, and I feel confident enough, you know, to know, like, even with, like, at Mill City, it's the same way. Like, yeah. you know, there's such a good, which I think is what I like about, you yeah. know, I appreciate that churches are are open to that, mm -hmm. you know, and supportive in that way, so. So then how do you know um, if... So like in a therapy session, like if I'm going in for the first time, what do I need to look through to know like, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right therapist? What can I expect on yeah. my first visit? Such a good question. Cause I think the first visit is often so <laughs> I had no idea so what scary. to think. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, how does this work? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's... Am I just gonna go lay down and like- Right, <laughs> talk gonna be about like your mother. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's such a good question because it is, it's it's scary and it feels very like vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so I always, I mean, well, that's one of the first things I say is like, thank you for like, I know what work it took you to get to this room today. So, mm-hmm. or, you know, online or whatever you're doing. But um, I think, so a lot of times what happens, you'll set up an appointment and then typically you're going to get some paperwork to fill out. And it's usually more than you think it's going to be. So so just know that like it's going to take you a minute to fill out. It often involves even like physical health history, like heart conditions. and Yeah, because we just want to know anything that could be, we're such connected beings. And I love that you and Anna hit on this too. But like we're so connected. So your physical health is going to impact your mental health, your spiritual well-being is going to impact your physical and your I mean it all is so connected so we want to know kind of all the pieces that could be playing a part mm-hmm. so we are going to ask things like health history you know have you had a bunch of concussions that actually really matters you know like yeah. <laughs> um, stuff yeah all that kind of stuff so you'll fill out a bunch of paperwork and then you'll come in and I you know a lot for a lot of counselors everybody has a different style therapists whatever you want to call us um but a first session often you are going to get a ton of questions so mm-hmm. it's it's more questions than maybe a typical session would be you know a little bit depending on the flavor of the therapist but if that happens don't be thrown by it right and i do try to warn people like hey i'm gonna ask you a lot of questions this time <laughs> this isn't normally how it goes but and again we really i just really want to get a full kind of picture of all the different factors that might be in play with the thing that you're coming in the door with and we will also talk about what's the thing you're you know what brought what brought you in like what are you wanting to kind of look at or process or you know talk through any of that stuff um and so we'll we'll kind of go through that in a first session and then from there you know and i will often and again this can look different from counselor to counselor but i will often at the end of that first session then kind of just summarize like, hey, you know, as we've talked and I've heard kind of your story, it sounds like it could be really helpful for us, you know, if I could help you figure out some of the things that are causing anxiety for you uh, and then for you to learn some tools to really manage that. Does that sound, does that sound good to you? Does that sound like what you're looking for? Mm-hmm. So for you as the, the person who's in the room, I, the things you're looking for in a first session is you may not fully trust this person. You're not going to give them maybe every detail. That's okay. We expect that. Like, uh, but you just want to get a feel for like, is this person a good listener? Like, mm-hmm. does it feel like they, you know, are they tracking with me as I'm telling them the things that I'm telling them? How do I feel like this connection is? You know, do I feel like over time I could this has possibilities for me and maybe trusting or you know, do I feel this connection with them? Um, those are kind of the pieces that you want to see in that Mm -hmm. first session if you are not feeling that if it just doesn't feel like it's a good fit or it's like the personality just rubs you weird or the other thing that happens sometimes through no fault of you or me is i remind you of someone who drives you crazy (laughs) right and so it that's okay and the thing i think most counselors want people to know is like if i'm not a good fit for you that's fine like I'd rather you get in the place where you can get the help and the mm-hmm. support you need than, you know, it doesn't have to be with me. And so I always want people to know, like, whether it's after that first session or whether you try three or four and go, nope, this is just not, this is just not the right person. And you can just let, you know, let us know and you can try somebody else. And that's totally okay. My ego is not on the line mm-hmm. um, with that. I've learned that because. <laughs> 
Because we just click with different yeah. people, you know. Well, it's just like a friendship. Like, you're going to be closer to some people yeah. for no apparent reason than you yeah. are other people. And, like, that's fine. Yeah. And sometimes you'll go to somebody who's just blatantly not right either. You know, like, yeah. they say or do something and you're like, ooh. Like, yeah. And that's, you know. Or they're more telling you what you feel instead of listening yes. to what you feel. <laughs> yeah, which can happen. Or they kind of slide into advice giving where it's mm-hmm. like, and you're like, wait, I don't think you really got my full. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just any of those things, if it's if it doesn't feel like it's going to be a good fit for you, please feel free to, you know, to go to someone else. Mm-hmm. After that first week, I think then we're spending time kind of, A, just, I think the beauty of the, the therapeutic relationship is this is a safe space for you to bring in whatever it is that you're needing to talk to, about, process through, understand better, whatever. And all of its messiness, and all of its maybe even lack of clarity, even to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes people struggle with like, I don't even know what words to put to it. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. that's okay. We can sit. We can we can meddle in the mess. Yeah. And it's gonna that's start to come together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and it's so powerful for you to just have a space where it is it's non-judgmental. Where I try as you know as much as I can. I like that Anna said this too. Like we do the best we can to be as unbiased as possible because we don't have skin in the game. But just to let you kind of have a space to really explore, mm-hmm. understand, and then also to highlight you know things that maybe we're noticing as we're meeting with you or patterns or things you might not be have been aware of. Yeah. that as you're talking start to come out and so but but helping you through those to those counseling goals we've kind of established even in the first the first time that we meet granted those can change over time oh, you yeah. know i mean you know i meet with people and then suddenly you know someone close to you dies and that's the most important thing that you yeah. know right then yeah. we're not going to worry about the other stuff right sure. now we're just yeah. gonna be in that suddenly the issues at work are very much on the back yes. burner and you have to deal with your grieving process yeah so we're gonna be you know week to week i also kind of expect almost that i have an idea of where we might be mm-hmm. but you might come in the room you know having had something happen in your week that's like i just need to be present to this thing right now yeah and then my job is to join you in that yeah um so that you can process that through and that's kind of something that's really interesting i think in both talking to you and anna so much of the work of therapy is determined by you yes um, the amount that your therapist can help you is the amount that you are open yeah. to being helped and the amount that you're willing to be honest about yourself. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a good point, Kevin, because so often, too, I think there's there's a scariness because it, it's so vulnerable. And, mm-hmm. like, you guys, I get that because I, I mean, A, I've been a client, so I, <laughs> I know how vulnerable it is. So it does, it takes time to build trust, but also recognizing, like, you're not going to let us, so I think sometimes too that we start to, and this can actually be a clinical issue, but you're starting to take care of your therapist or you have this idea of like, I don't want to let her down or I don't want, you know, like, or they're going to be mad at me or they're going to be disappointed in me or all mm, that kind of yeah. stuff can come in and then you can start to hide stuff. But like Kevin, you just said, like the, those things are actually the often the most important things to bring in the room. Yeah. Because then we can be present with you, even as you're sitting in those feelings of yeah. like, and hopefully be a presence of compassion and grace and all of those things as you're wrestling with those parts of yourself you don't even like. Yeah. Um, and it can be so hard to bring those pieces to someone else when you don't even necessarily appreciate those things of yourself. Yeah. 
One thing I've noticed too about therapy, especially I noticed this at the beginning of my time in therapy, was that it's it almost hurts more at first yeah. because maybe even though you're battling depression or whatever, you're doing whatever you can to cope and get through the day. Yes. And so you just kind of ignore it or gloss over it or just fight through it. And then you get into therapy and suddenly you just open the wounds wide open. Yeah. And healing is really painful work sometimes. Yeah. Like if you break a bone, you have to reset that bone and I'm told that that hurts. Yes. I don't know. My siblings know all about that. <laughs> but um, especially my sister, she's had, she's had five broken arms. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she knows. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but That's sometimes those first sessions just are so raw because yeah. I've just been trying to like get through it and do whatever I can to get through my day. And I've needed to do that. Perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. But now suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm confronting this. I'm really understanding how deep this goes into yeah. me. Yeah. And it's, you're so right. I'm glad you said that because I think that surprises people sometimes. Now, granted, and I forgot to say this earlier, but the first time that you see a counselor, you're going to get a piece of paper that most of you have never read. <laughs> But you signed it. Um, and it basically goes through the little bit of the process of counseling. And it will say that. It will say in there, like, hey, just so you know, sometimes in the beginning, it can, like, before you get better, it can feel like things are getting a little bit worse. That's actually a normal part of the process, but we don't want you to be surprised by that. Um, it also goes through your rights as someone who's in counseling, what you can do if something goes south in the counseling experience. Like, so um, read the piece of paper. <laughs> it actually protects you and it, it gives mm -hmm. you some good information. But I think going back to that and too. It, well, oh. an example of that might be like if you're wondering what my rights are. So if you're like, uh, if you're married and perhaps your spouse is going to the same counselor, yep. what you share with just your counselor legally cannot be shared with your spouse without your permission. Right. And I've heard of examples where the counselor does that and that's a breach of yeah. trust and that's yeah. a problem. So that's just kind of an example yes. of what that can look like. Absolutely. Like there's, yeah, there's lots of ways that counselors can, you know, it gets cross a line. And so you want to know what those lines are and what your rights are if mm -hmm. something like that were to ever get, you know, crossed. Yeah. Because that's fair to you. Um, going back to your point about it just being more painful at first, I think that is that is hard. And using your example of the arm breaking, I think too the other thing that can happen with counseling is it's like, hey, I have anxiety. Can I not have anxiety by next week? That would be great. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and that's a hard no. Like if I had a magic wand and I could do that, I would, first of all. I would totally use that for your whatever it is. But the reality is it doesn't work that way. Just like your arm healing doesn't work that way. There's a process there's, you know, and, and sometimes it, the process is more difficult the longer the arm's been broken, mm, you know? Yeah. So sometimes that comes into it play. Grow, or the, the bone may heal, but not in the right yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of got to, so that, you know, can take a little bit of work to kind of un, undo what's already been done to kind of deal with it and then, you know, help it to heal in the right way. Like, so it, there's no quick fixes, and we live in a society that would love for there to be six ways yep. to get beat your anxiety by Saturday. <laughs> um, and that's just, it's not a thing. I yeah. wish, I mean, I wish it was. There's things that we can do that can help for sure, but mm -hmm. I think there can be this expectation sometimes, even if we don't fully verbalize it, that like, if you could get this done for me by my presentation at work next week, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> We maybe have things to help you cope yes. and maybe lower the anxiety some, yeah. 
but it's probably not going away. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed in my time in therapy is that like when problems do come up, when my anxiety does get higher or my depression kind of resurges, I'm able to more quickly notice it. Yes. And identify where it's coming from. Yeah. And even just that piece of it helps me process it better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, just recognizing like, oh, that's my depression talking. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I've had that moment. I'm like, oh, that's a depression response. Yeah. Okay, got it. (laughs) And there's sometimes too, because I, for, I mean, A, depression and like sleep or, you know, if you're not getting good sleep, your symptoms are going to be worse for sure. Yeah. And there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm just not in my right mind because I need to put myself to bed right now. And any thought I'm having right now is probably wildly unhelpful. So I just need to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And in the morning we can sort all this out because like... That's but but knowing that yeah. like in the moment of just like oh yep nope that's just I'm really tired or that's my depression talking right now and so mm-hmm. I then I know what to do and that is helpful yeah and so to give a little bit of a real world example to kind of help show how therapy helps I'll just kind of share from my life yeah um, so I graduated seminary May of 2020 in the midst of pandemic and then like two days after graduation George Floyd happened. Um, and all that stuff. And so I was job searching for ministry jobs for almost, for about a year and a half before I ended up coming to Faith Covenant. And throughout that time, my depression was kind of up and down and up and down. And there were times where I was in the running for a job and I would get really excited about it and have a good interview and like be like, oh, I think God's leading me here. And then I wouldn't get it. And so... It's it's just so interesting because when I go back and read some of the journal entries from like a year ago now, I was in a really low place some of those times. Yeah. And But the difference between now and like five, six years ago is that now instead of me saying, I'm not worth it, I'm yeah. a terrible person, I'm not a good enough Christian, that's why they didn't hire me to work at a church because I'm not a good Christian, I don't pray enough. Yeah. Instead, I was saying when I didn't get the job was, okay, yes, this hurts to not get the job. I'm back to waiting and that's hard, but they were looking for something else that I didn't offer. Yeah. Instead of putting it on me and my worth, yeah. Because I'd been through therapy for enough years, yes, it's still a hard circumstance to not get that. But my thought process about it was totally different. Yes. Because I said, okay, they probably wanted someone with more experience. There's a lot of churches, or not very many churches are hiring right now yeah. amidst a pandemic. So there's a lot of people competing for these jobs. And yeah. so like it just totally reframed the way I normally would have responded it before therapy and where I respond to it now, having had therapy and kind of gained some of these tools of Absolutely. investigating myself and being like, okay, why do I feel terrible right now? Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing that stands out to me and what you just shared is that idea of like, it's not that therapy also doesn't, neither does Christianity. We don't get out of the hard stuff. No. <laughs> like we still have the hard stuff, but often either because of just the way that we've dealt with stuff in the past or whether it's just like, you know, the chemicals in our brain or whatever, there's, there's these ways that we can manage the pain that can actually create more pain. Yes. (laughs) And then there's ways to manage the pain that acknowledges it, which Mm -hmm. I heard you doing, but, but also kind of helps you to, you know, to move forward in a healthy way. It's like, yes, this is hard. Yeah. 
you know, this is painful. I don't like this, but it doesn't actually have to mean something negative about me, which is where the mm-hmm. pain got really personal and really like, instead it's just like, no, this is a hard situation. Like yeah. I'm competing for jobs that a lot of people are competing for yeah. right now. Well, even just the fact of knowing I have depression helps me understand why th- why sometimes I get so low. Yes. Because other, like before I understood what depression was and that it was something I had, I just thought I was weak all the time because yeah. something relatively minor would be a huge setback for me. And I'm yeah. like, I know this isn't a big deal. I know there's people starving to death in like yes. war zones. I'm like, my life is really good. Yeah. Com- so why am I feeling so terrible? And well, now when I'm kind of in that point of, you know, there is a setback and it's hurting me more than it should, I can say to myself, oh, that's the depression talking. Yeah. I don't have to feel weak. I can just know that depression exacerbates these symptoms yeah. of having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, again, I think that's such a great example because I do think for a lot of folks who may be dealing with something like depression or anxiety, it's, you know, you've you've dealt with this your whole life, so it's hard to even imagine life without it. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're going along and you're going, you know, there's people who have it worse. I don't know what's wrong with me. I should be able to handle this which is often the thing that keeps you from whether it's counseling or medication or any of those things, or even thinking that there's a problem because it's like, I should just be fine. And I think Christians were even more prone oh, yeah. to think I should be fine. I should be grateful. I like, should be joyful. I should be joyful. Rejoice in all things. Yeah. And so because we have all those kind of shoulds that float around for us, it's really hard to go, you know, actually I'm not, I am having a hard time and Mm -hmm. maybe it's not because I'm not a good Christian. Maybe there's something else going on, you know? So I've seen people again, when I've worked with individuals where I'm like, you've been in a lot of pain for a long time that what, that we we can do something about like, you know, we can't do again. You couldn't do anything about the fact that you weren't getting a job during a pandemic. (laughs) Nothing we can do about that. But like you said, just, how you thought about it, how you even were able to identify, oh, my depression is playing into this and I would normally go here with my thinking, but now I kind of know to not take it personally and just to recognize like, this is just a hard thing that I'm in. Like that is, you know, that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. And I think a lot of times Christians can suffer needlessly and Mm -hmm. there's plenty of (laughs) suffering and, you know, you don't need to add. Yeah. Another layer. There, there's a lot of suffering that we can handle in better ways yes. than we know that we can. Yeah, and I, I we didn't talk about this previously, but I sometimes I think it's really helpful too because I think where a lot of us get stuck is that we'll have a we'll have a feeling, and then we have feelings about our feelings. <laughs> yep. And so oh, yeah. yeah, and so, I I chase that rabbit hole hardcore. Hard. Like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Right? I shouldn't it, feel this way about me. Yeah, and that adds so much on top of like it was already hard it's already hard enough to deal with depression. It's yeah. already hard enough to deal with anxiety. Trust me, like anxiety is exhausting. It's hard work. My guess is you're working really hard. And when by the time many people come see me, I, all I do is marvel at how hard they've tried. You know, yeah. like they've worked so hard with what they had. And if hard work alone could have muscled them through, I promise you they would have done it because they'd done all the things. Yeah. But sometimes you need more than that. And and that feeling about the feeling can create so many problems. Whereas oh, if we yeah. can peel all that off and just go, 
no, I don't need to feel bad or like I'm a bad Christian because I'm not getting a job at a church. Yeah. The reality is it's just hard right now. I want a job. It's it's hard to not be getting a job right now. Yeah. That's just hard. That's my yeah. reality. Yeah. Well, and two, with what you just said about like how hard it is to get into the room sometimes and how difficult it is just to take that step. Yeah. For years of battling depression, I thought I was weak. And now after therapy, I can kind of see... Actually, I was really strong yes. to be functioning as well as I did for as long as Absolutely. I did with how depressed I was. Yeah. Um, and, and not to say that, like, I should have just kept going and I'd be stronger. But, like, no. <laughs> I was I was a lot stronger than I gave myself credit for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they also say work smarter, not harder. So yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you don't have to, like, muscle through it, like, yeah. if, if there is a way to, like, you know, have life more joyfully. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's what so, God wants for us. God wants us to experience healing. And he wants abundant life. And there yeah. can be tools that, you know, that counseling can offer to help you experience more of that abundance. And again, you're still going to have suffering. Like, yeah. Don't worry. Like, yeah. Um, but there are, there are ways, you know, that you can experience more of that joy. And I think the first step often, almost before you even go to a counselor, is just getting honest with like, I'm struggling here. This is hard. Yeah. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge myself around that. I'm just gonna say that. And then mm -hmm. what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in that. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much more. This. There's so many rabbit holes we could chase. <laughs> for real. Um, but for now, we're, this is kind of what we wanted to cover for today's conversation. Yeah. Um, next week we're gonna be talking to Lisa once again, and this time we're gonna be, or next time. We're going to be delving into trauma, which is its whole other right. thing um, and is often deeply um, interrelated with questions of depression and anxiety. And, yeah. and faith. Oh, yeah, and for faith. sure. There's Yeah, there's a ton of aspects of trauma. So we'll be delving into that. So I hope you stay tuned for that. We're very thankful for Lisa for you coming in and sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. I'm super, like I said, I, I like having these conversations. I think the church you know, as a church, if we can talk about this stuff and understand this stuff, especially as we're in these waters post pandemic and oh. there's a lot of, you know, Are a lot of mental post pandemic health. yet. We're yeah, like, that's fair. Post <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, Getting we're in a there. certain phase of the pandemic. I don't know. Yeah. But as we now we're in the acceptance phase. Of <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. Or maybe bargaining. I don't yeah. Know. We might still be in bargaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not quite to hope, but we, we, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are struggling with mental health and the more that we can yes. talk openly and honestly, especially as a church and Kevin, I mean, thank you as a church leader for modeling that because I think that's so powerful. Um, there's, you know, I can say things as a counselor, but when you say it as somebody who works for the church, it carries a different weight. Well, and that's, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've noticed that I've grown the most from other people's vulnerability yes. because they've empowered me to be vulnerable. Yeah. And there were so many things that I was not going to work through unless I was vulnerable enough to yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, huge so I, I'm, thank you for appreciating that. And that comes from me seeing that example in others. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, such a wide ranging conversation and we'll be delving into it more next week. So please make sure that you share this with anybody who needs to see this or hear yeah. this today. Um, and as always, have a wonderful day.